Well, folks, welcome to January 2021 and the second season of the Nobleman Podcast. We are super excited. Our theme for the year for the Nobleman Podcast and our theme for Noble Warriors in general is going to be building a foundation of biblical manhood. So you're going to hear me reference that throughout the year. I'm going to talk about that off and on. We're going to come at that from different angles. But our sub-theme for January is the question of why men? And so during this month, we're going to hear from some pastors, some leaders, even some ladies about the priority of seeing men discipled well, to walk faithfully with Jesus Christ and to follow him and then to turn around and lead others to follow him by example. And uh, so I'm so excited to have Carlton McLeod here, Dr. Carlton McLeod, pastor of Calvary Reformation Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Carlton is a friend I've known for a few years and welcome Carlton to, uh, to the podcast, to the second season here. We're glad to have you. Mike, it's a it's a great privilege and a great honor to be here, my friend. Glad to do it. Glad to be here. Well, I'm excited for our conversation. We've already uh, hit some high spots just in our <laughs> chit chat back and <laughs> yeah, forth. Yeah, we did. And so, uh, <laughs> guys, you're in for a real treat here. Hey, let me let me start with the passage. And I didn't tell you this was coming, but um, this is part of what has has stirred me in this in this whole season. I'm I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven through thirteen. Says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And boy, I, 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 I think of a theme verse that we should be looking at and thinking about, and that is we've got to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, and in that, That's right. building men up to mature manhood in Jesus Christ. What does that mean to you as a pastor who prioritizes men? Well, it means that we teach men the Bible, uh, that we teach men the priority of the Bible, that we teach men their their role in God's grand narrative, his redemptive narrative, that we uh, ensure that men understand their, their role, their place, their, their privilege, their authority. Uh, and that we, and that they don't settle for you know Christian manhood, typical Christian manhood, where you kind of check in at church and you know every once in a while, and then your whole life's about sports or something else. Uh, but rather, they would take up the sword, right? They'd strap That's the right. armor on, the armor of God, take up the sword, and really lead, really lead their families forward in the things of God. Really make disciples uh, at home. Really wash their wives with a word. I mean, we can go on and on and on, yeah. but. This whole idea of mature manhood is massive and is one of the great things that we're missing today. Yeah. Okay. So you used one word that I want I want to hone in on because it's a hot word. And, and listen, I know folks out there, if you're listening, you'll understand I have given uh, Carlton um, a list of questions, but he's going to find I chase rabbits from time to time and, and we just wander around in conversation. You, you mentioned the privilege of manhood, the role, the responsibility, the privilege. Boy, privilege right. is a hard word in our culture right now. And, and we, you know, when we talk about racial issues, we talk about white privilege. But boy, sure. the privilege of manhood, I, mm-hmm. I think we don't see that well in our culture because we think that means that I'm on a pedestal. But I would perceive that biblically the privilege of manhood is that I get to serve and sacrifice and love and lead in a way that honors Christ and elevates others above myself. That's the privilege of of manhood. Would would you agree with that or how would you how would you restate that in a helpful way? 
Yeah, I would agree, uh, Mike. I would just say that uh, we, we've we've most certainly spent uh, a couple of decades talking about the 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 service piece where men yeah. need to serve. Uh, where we have where we may need a little balance, in my opinion, is the lead piece, yeah. right? And and that's really the that's really the controversial part of it. Nobody gets upset over serving, right. dying to self and laying your life down and strapping on, girding yourself up with a towel and washing feet of your family. No one gets upset over that where the issue has to be or where the issue is, is on this whole idea of uh, that a, a man is is to lead, yeah. right? He is to be out front. He is to lead his family. Uh, and then if you want to talk about controversial words, and of course here in Chesapeake, I'm no stranger to controversy, yeah. so it's okay. <laughs> and I can chase a few rabbits myself, but hey, throw the word patriarchy in there and see oh, what happens. Yeah. <laughs> because that word, sympatry and archy, it simply means father-led. Yeah. And my friend, that's the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so when we talk about this, I go to 1 Corinthians 11, 1, where Paul says, follow my example, the NIV, follow my example as I follow the right. example of Christ. Imitate and, me as I imitate Christ. That's yeah, right. And, 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 and so when I open up a new Bible, um, I, I go to that passage and I draw a stick figure, I draw the cross, and then I draw a stick figure of a man on his knees in front of the cross. And then That's I draw right. my family behind it because my Good. family needs to see me submitted to the cross of Christ, but they need to look beyond me because I'm a, I'm a human being and I'm going to make mistakes in that. But sure. I do have to lead them to the cross and to right. the That's message the, of the gospel. That's the piece we're missing, right? We're we're missing. We, you know, we're 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 decent on 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 working hard, and we're we're decent on you know having the servant's heart of leadership. We're decent on that, and that's what our Lord commanded us to do. If we, if we would be first, we must be our be the servant of all, right? Right. Uh, but the whole idea of leading, the whole idea that I'm the head of my household, that right. I have a responsibility to disciple my wife, to raise up my children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, uh, to, to declare the things of God in my household, to make sure that my children uh, can, can answer the hard questions that are being thrown at them, to guard my family, to not allow the enemy to run roughshod over my family. There needs to be a little more of that, quite frankly. Right. And because and, we're in desperate days and we don't, you know, we, we, you know, we don't have time to kind of dance around some of these issues as men. One of the things that makes us men is that we take on the hard stuff, right? right? We bear the brunt of the hard things. And I think that's that whole idea of men leading, men truly seeing their role in leadership uh, is is critical. And if we if we don't get that, we don't, you know, we're going to keep getting more of what we've been getting, which yeah. is pretty bad fruit. Okay, so so this is a, a good segue for me to to back up a little bit and let you tell your story about the founding of your church because you started sure. off with a particular strategy and methodology, and you reached a, a point where you said, "Hey, I need to back this train up because it's I, there's there's something that's missing here." So I don't right. want to corrupt that story. Tell us about your founding and planting of your church and what God's done and taught you in that whole scenario. Sure. I was uh, just a young, uh, you know, kind of mid 20 something guy in, in the in, as an officer in the Navy in 1997 when we started our church. Uh, and uh, my heart at the time was was youth. I, I really want I was tired of seeing the, the kind of the drugs and the gangs and the, and, uh, and just the disconnection uh, between uh, young people and the gospel of Christ. Right. And I said, OK, we're going to really reach out. We're going to structure this uh, new church plan to really reach out to young people. And so it was it was dressed down, it was loud, it was crazy. There was a lot of stuff going on that uh, could attract a crowd and it worked, right? We grew, there, was a, there were a lot of young people in the church, a lot of young families, 
But after about 10 years of that or so, I started to realize that although we had people coming through the doors, they weren't being discipled. As you read earlier, they weren't attaining to mature manhood and right. mature womanhood, right? They weren't growing the way I, I originally had envisioned. And so there had to be something more than just programs and strategy, right? You know, there had to be some, I was something I was missing. So as I like to tease people uh, with uh, this whole this little joke here, but I did something radical. I went back to the Bible. <laughs> so, so somewhere in the, you know, 2007 uh, time frame, 2008, somewhere in there, we really started to, to, to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what are we doing wrong here? And so we had lots of youth programs and we had lots of stuff going on, but we were still, the results were still, you know, pretty, pretty poor in my opinion, somewhat suspect. And we found in the scriptures, this whole idea that parents and particularly fathers had this massive role in the discipleship of their children. And I looked at from Genesis to Revelation and every time I saw commands to train up children and raise up children. I saw fathers and mothers. Yeah. And, and it just kept going on and on and on. And what, so what we didn't do, even though we were pretty good at kind of the attractional model, what we didn't do was, was a kind of lay a foundation for the people that were coming in to be raised up, to be trained up in the things of God. And I rec I realized that I, I couldn't beat God's plan. You know, he had laid out <laughs> what he wanted. That's right. And who was I to change it? And so, yeah, I had to back the train up. I had to go before my church. I had to, we had to do this study. I had to say, Hey, I think there's a better way up some places where we're missing it. And, uh, and we did slowly start to shift over into more of a family centric model right. where we were at fathers and mothers to take the bulk of the responsibility to disciple their children. Hey, so you were 10 years into a church planning experience. The church had mm -hmm. grown. And, and, and so mm -hmm. from the outside, you looked solid, but you felt like there was something missing. There are maybe a pastor or two out there at some point who would listen to this and say, I don't have the courage to try and turn the ship of oh, my man. church in that way. So talk to me about the humility and and the prayerful discernment that it took for you as the shepherd of the flock to say, I I've missed something here and this is not honoring God, maybe. I it, encourage yeah. that pastor who's who's reluctant to make a, a change of this magnitude, even though they kind of feel in their gut that this is something this is resonating with me, but I don't know how to do it. Yeah, it, it first uh, for me, it was uh, after I was kind of exposed to the material uh, in the scriptures again, things that I've read, things that I had even preached, but had missed the application. For me, it was first of all, time with the Lord of, re of repentance and saying, Father, you know, I've obviously fallible, obviously missed it. You know what? My intentions were good, but yeah. your plan is better than my plan. And so I had to become convinced in my own mind. And then, um, I spent some time with our leaders. I mean, I spent some time with our elders, spent some time with our deacons and pastors, and we just started talking it through. And it, you know, I, I would encourage that pastor to take your time. I mean, don't, don't try to, don't try to change the ship overnight. It'll, you know, you'll crash something, you'll run into yeah. something, but uh, spend some time with the leaders. And then after they started to see what I was seeing, then we, we did a sermon series. It took us a while, but we worked our way through the relevant passages. And I just shared my heart. I said, my heart is to, to see your children raised up in the things of God, to see your, your families and households strengthened in the things of God. And here's what the Lord says. And here's where I think we could do this better. And here's where I think we may have missed it. And I, I took several, several months uh, to just kind of walk the church through 
the, uh, all the biblical precepts and principles and patterns that I could come up with and see in the Bible concerning the raising up of children, the discipling of children, and the, and the structure of the biblical household. And uh, at, at that point, after we walked through it all, then I said, hey, you know, this is, you guys want to walk with me through this journey of making some adjustments. And I think uh, they saw that we weren't trying to lord our authority over. I think right. they saw that we, you know, we acknowledged that, you know, the, uh, that, that we had made some missteps unintentionally, uh, but also that our heart was to see their sons and daughters love Jesus, yeah. right? That, that, and, uh, and that the Lord had given uh, in a strategy, if you will, he had given precepts concerning how that was to be accomplished by his grace. Yeah. So I would encourage that pastor to just work through the scriptures, talk to your leaders. If you become convinced, take some time with the church, answer questions, talk to other pastors who've done it. I'm happy to talk with anyone because there are a few pitfalls there as you walk, <laughs> if, you, if you go this route. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, people are pretty attached to certain programs. And so that can right. be, yeah, that can be, and just take your time. It's not easy to kill those sacred cows, is it? No, sir. Not at all. Wow. Well, okay. So uh, you're turning the ship, you're, um, you're engaging the leadership in your church and boy, as you begin to talk about this, this puts some pressure on them because they're, they're men and you're probably saying, Hey, I need you guys to step up. I, I need mm-hmm. you guys to to lead your families differently before you even lead the church, and right. so I, I and I, I was among that. I was there too. That was the first guy was me. I had to go to my wife and children, and I, I'm sorry, I I miss this. Yeah. <laughs> so so boil it down, distill it. When when I say pastor, why men? Because mm-hmm. this is our theme for January. Why men? What 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 would you say about why men are your priority and and why you invest so intentionally and strategically in men in your church? Why men? The answer is because men are is the is the plan that God has given us, right? They are we are as men uh the order of God. We were created first in Adam. Uh, and of course, by his grace, the Lord knew we couldn't do this alone. So he, yep. gave, he, gave, he gave us helpers, right? But throughout the Bible, what you see is men leading their families and, uh, and, and men uh, bearing the brunt of that responsibility to disciple their children and raise up their families in the fear of God. Why men? The answer is because God said so, right? <laughs> That's the answer. Yeah. It's because God said so. And, uh, and of course, uh, that doesn't in any way diminish uh, the contributions of our sisters and you know, our wives right. and our mothers. But it's just where the responsibility lies, where the leadership lies. And I think, again, if you if you search from Genesis to Revelation, if you go to Genesis one or two or three, even or uh, if you look at the, the narrative of Abraham or if you go to Psalm 78 or if you go to Deuteronomy six or Ephesians, Ephesians six or I mean, you can go on and on and on and you will find that that men are given this charge to disciple their children, to raise up their sons and daughters in the fear of God. Uh, to make sure that uh, certain things are happening in the household. And, and what we've seen, for those who may you know, slightly disagree with that out there, because there are many, but what, we've, what we're seeing now in culture is the fruit of that not happening. Right. That's what we're seeing, right? Yeah. The, our plan isn't working. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's one of those Dr. Phil moments. How's that working for you? <laughs> That's exactly It right. isn't working. It yeah. isn't working at all. And I've had the honor to see some pretty sweet fruit 
right. that happens in households when men take up the sword, take up the mantle. No one's talking about some kind of gruff man who's mean-spirited. We're just talking about men who, who take up their responsibility to, to worship at home, to bring their children to church, to, uh, to read, study the scriptures with their wives, to lead in the ministry uh, of, of family reformation. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I think is fascinating is when the secular world um, comes to the conclusion that they'll never say it in right. these terms. But when the secular world comes to the conclusion that the biblical model produces good results. So uh, speak to that. What opportunity have you had to see? some secular folks or, or research or what have you, because I know you're involved in some of those initiatives. You're bound to be uh, right. with fatherhood initiatives and, and things like that. What are you seeing in secular culture that affirms the biblical model? And how do you speak to that in a winsome way that doesn't beat people up with the Bible, um, but but makes the Bible an attractive concern for them? Uh, one one instance that sticks out in my mind, uh, I was actually up your way in the, in Richmond, and uh, and so, this was several years ago, and there were I don't know maybe fifty a hundred pastors in a room, and uh, and the whole idea was to address uh, through a fatherhood initiative what yeah. was going on in the streets, and we had politicians uh, come into the room and they closed the doors and they looked at the pastors in the room and they kind of looked around to make sure that you know they weren't being recorded or something and they said hey guys we've thrown every bit of money we can throw at this problem and we recognize that the that we don't have the answers yeah. to fix this you have the answers to fix this when you teach people to marry when you teach young men to raise up their children when you teach them to stay in their children's lives when you teach them that we see positive results we're throwing multiple millions of dollars at the problem and it's not working and that was about as raw yep. as i have ever heard that come out of you know as it relates to secular culture that is about as raw as i've ever heard it come. they recognize many recognize that god's ways are the best ways is just pride and, and other factors gets in the way of them actually communicating that. And so, yeah, I, I think we know it's broken. I think most of those who've studied the fatherhood initiative, you know, gang participation goes down, education goes up, achievement goes up, depression goes down when dad is present and when dad is active. Again, you cannot uh, you can try to overthrow God's order, but you'll reap the, the very bad fruit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, so what does the, what does it look like for Calvary Reformation Church to really hold the line on this? And, and, and let's say a guy walks through the door. He's, he's been invited to church by someone, and he has no idea what he's getting into. How, does, how do you engage this man and begin to teach him and move him toward a scenario where he, number one, understands God's order and then mm -hmm. begins to, to try to learn what he needs to learn and then execute what he needs to execute to live that out and really change the course of history for his family? Because that's what we're talking sure. about in many yeah. of these cases. How, how do you yeah. help that guy? Well, first up, uh, we preach the gospel, right? Yeah. I mean, we preach. And, and when I say gospel, I mean a gospel without an adjective in front of it. I'm talking about a, the, the the gospel, right? Yeah. We, we Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, his coming uh, so that he clear our sin debt. We make sure that he understands the gospel. And we also preach 
the sufficiency of scripture, that scripture is inspired, inerrant, infallible, but also sufficient for us. And so that we can we can glean and gain uh, the, you know, all the information that we need to, to do the things that God has called us to do from the Bible. And so that's kind of woven into our ministry. It comes out every Sunday in some way or another, whether it's the Lord's table or the message that's being preached. Also, when it comes to, into our doors, kind of the, the, the preeminence of the household is present because in our church, our families stay together yeah. during worship. And so in our particular church, you may have heard of family integration, age right. integration, but we're one of those strange bodies, right? <laughs> and uh, where the babies are there too. And, and so he's, uh, he's, he's immediately immersed in what we hope is sound preaching, but also that families everywhere, fathers leading there, sitting with their families, singing with their families, worshiping with their families, mothers as well, people of, of all ages. And then if he decides to hang out with us for a while, we encourage him immediately. And this is a real big one, Mike. We encourage him immediately to start, if he has a family, to start family worship, wow. right? To start family worship. And, and we give, we, we tell him in our men's mi- ministry meetings, hey, here's a Bible, Get your, make sure you have a good Bible. Uh, you know, print out a list of songs that you like or grab a hymnal, get you a catechism, you know, or, or, or some something that you can use, a daily devotional, and immediately start the process of teaching your family and singing with your family and praying with your family in the household. And I have, I have quite frankly been amazed at how that very old thing, I mean, that's been yeah. around for a long, we're talking Puritans here, right? Yeah. That's been around so long, but how effective a man or a pastor encouraging the men in his congregation to lead consistent family devotions, if you want to call it that, or family worship in your house, makes a radical difference because what will happen then, he'll realize, he'll start to realize where his weak points are. He'll start to realize where he needs to buy this book. His kids will start asking questions. His wife will start asking, well, what about this? Or where did Cain get his wife? Or tell me about the dinosaurs. I mean, so he'll, he'll, (laughs) that'll lead him over to answers in Genesis or that'll lead him to, you know, and he just starts growing and the family library starts growing. And all of a sudden, he, he, he's looking at things from a different perspective. So just those couple things, we try to keep it really, really simple. Good, you know, good gospel preaching, making sure that the Bible is central, a family kind of environment, and then putting the, the onus where it belongs, putting the responsibility for, for worship, excuse me, for worship and discipleship. Uh, in his hands. You, I, I love that, the simplicity of it. So we'll capture that mm-hmm. and put it down and, and even links to like answers in Genesis and, and resources. Oh, yes. Because I think one of the things that guys are missing is they say, I, I, I'm afraid I'm going to fail at this. And I'm afraid I'm going to look stupid in front of my kids. And I'm afraid I'm not going to know stuff. And Boy, if we can help guys over that hump and help them recognize that no one knows all the answers to the questions. Right. I bet Pastor Pastor Carlton McLeod doesn't even know all the answers oh. to all the questions. And and so if we exhibit a humility and a willingness to learn, and then there's someone that we could turn around and ask, can you point me to a resource or a yes. tool or a help that will be that that will give me some guidance? Man, we're empowering men to for their spines to stiffen for them to stand up a little bit stronger and straighter and and truly lead their families um absolutely absolutely and then of course you know the whole just i've, I've found that just the process of leading does a lot for his his character and, yep. it, and his esteem in the eyes of his wife and children he doesn't have to know every question when they see dad reading the script here dad reading the scriptures singing with them and praying with them 
you know, questions come up and you go, hey, that's a great question. Uh, let's all get together. You turn into a family project. Let's get yeah. together and do some research on that. And then next time we gather, we'll come back and we'll talk about it. I mean, there are ways to to do that. Yeah. All right. Now, I've, I've got a little bit of a pet peeve here that I'm, I, okay. I bet you and I are going to be in lockstep on this. I tell guys all the time, hey, listen, I, I I got multiple Bible apps on my phone and I use I do searching and I find things and all that stuff. But, brother, get yourself a paper Bible and <laughs> sit down and read that thing, because when you you might tell your children you're reading your Bible off of that iPhone or that Samsung Galaxy or whatever it is, but they don't know what you're doing. But if you're sitting there with with a paper Bible in your hands that has real pages and real words, then they know daddy's reading the Bible. And so I, I just I just hammer that nail every chance I get. You have a comment about that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, obviously, we all use technology to some degree. But yeah. one of the things that um, I found to be precious in my household is particularly when I can be consistent in doing it is when we all have the same copy of something. Yeah. We all have the same copy of the word. And then so that so we take in turns as a family kind of reading the Bible, the discipline of turning the pages, the discipline of learning. You know, all my children learn where all the books of the Bible through through just reading the scriptures together. And so literally my wife went out and got us all the same kind of version, right. same copy. And we all sit down together and read it together. And it's just I don't know. I guess the it's there. there I agree with you. There is something precious about that and there's something that a father can can demonstrate through his example by having the scriptures plainly in front of him all right now let me say something that's going to be offensive and i don't care listen if you're thinking i don't have the money to go out and buy everybody a brand new bible well you're a fool um mm. if if you spend a hundred dollars on baseball cleats for an eight-year-old and a four hundred and a four hundred dollar bat for an aluminum for a little league baseball player Take that money and redirect it towards some resources for your family that's going to be care for their soul because they're probably not going to get a scholarship playing baseball. I'm just saying. And that may be offensive to some folks, but guys, you need to make sure that you are investing in eternal things, not temporal things. And I think sometimes we get ourselves backwards and we pour a lot of money and resources into temporal things and we say, I don't have the funds to do this uh, spiritual thing, but my goodness, make sure your kids have a good Bible. Um, and and I love this idea of everyone having the same copy of the of the Word. So yeah, it helps when that? you turn to everybody turn to page seven hundred and forty seven. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, <laughs> and I, I agree with you. People do what they want to do. We spend on what we want. Yeah. I mean, if we look at our budgets, there's there's definitely room to to purchase God's Word. No question about it. Yeah, I didn't mean to go down that road. That's the first time. I've no, ever man. You know, that, we need but... to stop being well. But, you know, have you noticed, too, that, you know, one of the marks of manhood is supposed to be that we're that we're strong. Yeah. You know, Paul said, quit you like men and be strong. But everyone's so easily offended. Oh, my goodness. You can barely preach without someone getting upset. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not offended at all. I'm, I'm on the opposite. I'm like, bring it, brother. Say it again. <laughs> oh, you're too funny. All right. Let me. All right. So um, one of the things that I see a lot of times in churches when we talk about discipling men and engaging men, we have a tendency to hone in on the married man who has kids at home. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but I am convinced that we need to start casting vision early on for young boys. Young boys, five, six years old, need to be thinking about when mm-hmm. I'm a man, what I'm going to be like yes. and what I'm going to do. Yes. And, and they need to be thinking about, well, one day I'm going to be a daddy. One day I'm mm-hmm. going to marry someone. One day I may be a patriarch of a family. Let's use that dirty mm-hmm. word again. And so when we start, Amen. how do we start casting vision early and then – um, encourage and uh, um, enthusiastically support the role and responsibility of men through the entire spectrum of uh, life seasons. How about that? Yeah. One thing I've found is that the Word of God is, is applicable to everyone, yeah. right? I've found that. And so, again, it goes back to preaching. You need to take your family to a, a strong preaching church. And then if we're doing what we're talking about doing, right, the single man's going to come in and he's going to hear the Word. Uh, the married man's going to come in and he's going to hear the Word. Uh, the, the man with a son, he's going to hear the Word. And if he's and if he's hearing it properly, he's going to challenge to help his young ones cast that vision. If the church is built properly, it's going to have elders and deacons, and those elders and deacons are going to take an interest in those young men and those young women in the church along with their with their wives, right? And so if the church is just being the church, like we don't, like, you know, one of the things that I think we've lost is just the simplicity of in the power of how the body of Christ is actually supposed to work. That's right. You know, I'm not against all programs, but I think sometimes we program, we're so programmed that that we miss it, like we miss yeah. the mark. But those 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 family relationships, those those gatherings around the table of people of all ages, all all colors, all you know, all generations working together. That's what we see in the New Testament. And so if we're preaching the way we're supposed to be preaching, if the saints are engaged in hospitality, if the, if fathers and mothers are discipling their children and eating together with other families, the, that vision gets cast because if we're if we're encouraging other encouraging one another the way we're supposed to. It, it, I know. I know. For a lot of pastors, you need more teeth than that. I need one, two, three, four, five. But you can't. You know, it's, it just doesn't work that way. Discipleship yeah. is messy, yeah. right? It, it, it doesn't happen one, two, three, four, five. It happens in the context of a community, right? That's how it happens. Uh, and so, I would say, preach the word. I would say, fathers, make sure you start early. Mothers, you start early. Not just the sons, but daughters. Here, here's what the Bible says concerning womanhood. And yeah. here's what you can be in the Lord, uh, young man, based upon what the scriptures have declared. Start early. I mean, and that's what my wife and I are endeavoring to do, certainly. It's powerful. Um, now, you've you've mentioned women a couple of times. So sure. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about this. You focus. I, I would imagine that you are investing, probably discipling some guys, maybe one-on-one or mm-hmm. small groups and things like that. Yep. And so I, I would imagine that you're a pastor that preaches diligently on Sunday and invests in men as a top-tier priority. How do the women in your church respond to the idea that they see, well, Pastor Pastor Carlton, he invests in men, and, and that's kind of where he is? How, what do you hear from the women about their reaction to this? Are they bitter or jealous? or Tell me that story. Well, I tell you, that's an interesting story because it ebbs and flows. Like uh, when we when we first started uh, this whole process of of kind of reforming our church, if you will, 
Uh, I think both genders were, oh, no, by the way, there's only two genders. Just yeah. uh, get in trouble there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's not, not 48, 57. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> no. That was free, that folks. Out, right, that yeah, that was free. for free. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there was a lot of enthusiasm at first because for it, in, in the circles in which I traveled and kind of grew up, there was, this, there was always this hue and cry that, where are the men? Where are the men? Yeah. Uh, a lot of the churches I grew up in, uh, you know, there was woman heavy. There was a pastor, a couple of deacons, and mostly women. Uh, when the women begin to hear, hear that we were going to, you know, raise up men uh, to, you know, as well as continuing to treat uh, to teach biblical womanhood, they were excited about it. In practice, however, with the with the sway of feminism, you know, there were some there were some angry words at times. Uh, you know, we have women we have a women's ministry meeting that meets as well, and those yeah. sisters are are taught and and instructed and blessed. And of course, when the church meets, all the, the means of grace are for men and women, right? right? And so all those things are for everyone. But, I, but I, I will admit that there can be, in the particularly in the day in which we live, which feminism has made so many inroads into everything, uh, that, uh, that there were some, some tough feelings at times, some harsh feelings at, time and as, at, at times. And so as a pastor, you have to, you know, what I tried to do is just explain as he, as he takes his place of leadership, he, he's there not only to lead you, but to protect you. He's yeah. to be priest, prophet, provider, and protector. And so your life, for the women who get it, and the, the married women in particular, but even the singles, for those who get it, they tend to feel much more honored, much more protected, uh, much more cared for, and there are certain burdens that they simply no longer have to carry uh, for the ones who get it. And there's another group that refuse to get it, but they they look at uh, you know, this whole idea of feminism as being something godly. And I, I think it's, a, I think it's from the devil, but that's me. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it, just terrible. Well, you, you just mentioned single women. And um, I just read an article from a, a, a friend of mine, a national ministry guy out in Colorado who, who runs a ministry encouraging men to be involved in long-term care of widows and people who have ongoing needs. And he mm. just wrote a great article about the church's posture with single women and how we mm. miss opportunities to care for them and right. to uh, serve them. Now, th there are danger right. points here. You, no, you, you don't go help a single woman by yourself. Um, Correct. You, you make sure that there are safeguards and accountabilities and all of that stuff. But my goodness, we can show the love of Christ so incredibly well and winsomely by truly helping single women. Uh, and, yeah. and they are in, in, in desperate need of someone often to care for them, to, to fix a problem or solve something that they just don't have the resources for. And the church should be stepping into that gap more readily. That's true manhood. Um, and yeah, we should true be manhood. doing that. Yeah. That's First Timothy five, and that's that's true manhood. Uh, what we try to do, and still working to get it the way we want it. But uh, you know, we have several deacons in the church, and uh, and a part of their responsibility, you know, we along with their wives, is to make sure that uh, the church is getting cared for. It's kind yeah. of that Act Six model, but their wives play a really important role yeah. in that, right? Uh, and so we look, and the second thing we try to do is we have a, a small team of ladies for long-term care when the situation, when it's a female, for example, right. there may be things that I can't walk in and do, right. uh, but these ladies, we dispatch them and they go. And so we try to overlap using a couple of different ministries to make sure that, uh, the, you know, those who, uh, or who may un be unmarried and who are female are getting the care that they need, but the ladies are absolutely critical in that because there are places that we just as men we just can't go yeah absolutely
All right. Well, I, I want to be careful with time because I'm going to try to sure. dial these back. But um, identify a couple of resources. If you were to say, hey, pastor, if, if what I have said today is intriguing to you, then here's a couple of books. I know you've written a couple of books. The um, I've got one here beside me, The Playbook, Five the Strategic playbook. Plays mm-hmm. to Restore the Prophetic vo- Voice of the Church in America. That would be an awesome resource to read your story and get some insights on on your journey. What What else would you recommend? Yeah, playbook's pretty good. Uh, I'm kind of biased there. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. I, I think a couple of books by, by a gentleman named Vody Bakken yeah. would be helpful too. Uh, you know, uh, Family Driven Faith, uh, Family Shepherds. I think th- those two books would be good. Uh, there's a there's a ministry out there called Church and Family Life that I participate yep. in. It also has this, an emphasis on on strengthening households and the sufficiency of Scripture. Uh, so you can find that ministry out there, churchandfamilylife.com, I believe. Uh, or you could just email me directly. There's a there's a list of stuff out there. I know you have many many resources yeah. uh, there on your website as well. But if you if you started you know looking at websites that are that are family centric and ministries that are family centric and grab a couple of good books uh, on this on this topic, uh, you know Church of Family Life has a book called Family Theology that I think is really really good. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, just so those are the couple that that come to mind off the top of my head. Man, I am so excited. I, I'm I'm thankful that you said email me because um, if you're serious about that, we're, we'll put yeah. your email address in the show notes here. And sure. brother, I, I would just um, thank you so much for your willingness to to speak into oh. the lives of some other pastors and leaders. Uh, I, I don't know what God is going to unleash here, but I do sense that part of this pandemic and the craziness that's going on should be stirring the church to get back to a recognition that we've got to make sure families are solid because that's the way we make sure the church is solid by making sure that families are solid. And amen. we've got to invest amen. in I mean, men all, to do that. Amen. All the idols have been cast down. All the, all the yeah. things that we thought gave us security and so forth, all those things, the Lord is doing something pretty powerful here. And, uh, and so the, yeah, there's a building that needs to happen or a rebuilding, depending on who you are, that needs to happen. And it starts with the family. There will never be revival. There will not be reformation until it starts in households and in, and through those households in, in good churches. Amen. Hey, one final word to a pastor or leader. Um, what, what would you say? What's your, what's your final touch and encouragement to a pastor who, who recognizes this is an issue and he's got to go to work on it? Pastor, trust God's word. Wow. Trust God's word. You know, pastor, those passages say exactly what they, what they mean and mean what they say. And I know it's hard to preach them. And I know you can take some hits from preaching them, but what's the alternative to allow the families in your church to continue to go the way that they're going? Trust the word, say it with love, say it with clarity, but say it with boldness and by all means, say it. Oh my goodness. Well, God bless you, brother. Thank you so much for your time, man. I We could go on and on. I'm so excited. We could. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is a bunch of fun. Well, uh, Pastor, I will look forward to being back in touch with you at some point. And um, I'm hopeful that we'll have some guys to say, hey, I'd like to learn more from, from Carlton McLeod. And um, so we'll, we'll forward them to you. And uh, guys, if you're out there listening, if there's anything that kind of caught your attention here, let us know. Uh, we'd love for you to go to the podcast uh, site, like our podcast, make a comment, um, share it with others, because there's there's meat here. We're going to continue to deal with this question of why we should be investing in men. 
And uh, unapologetically, guys, I believe that if we don't shore up the men, if we don't see men who are truly walking with Jesus and leading their own lives and then their families and the church as well, then we're going to continue to see a backward slide in our culture, in our, in our churches even, and in our families. And so um, let's take this journey together. God bless you men, and uh, we'll look forward to our next installment, episode 41, next week.